it's funny. People always be like, don't forget about the little people. It's like, why do they refer themselves as little anyway, you know? Why don't you just get big with me? They can see it in my eyes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another week of John's Untitled Podcast. My guests this week are Nate and Ivy Barklow. Nate, you may know of from the band Finch, or maybe Reverend Crow, or even maybe his new band, Private Lives. Uh, Ivy and I met through an Every Time I Die Facebook group, and the thread that we were introduced through was uh, a, a thread about a band that you were most excited to see for the first time and that didn't live up to the expectation. And for me, mine was definitely going to see Finch on the Him tour for Dark Light, and at that time, Finch was on the Say Hello to Sunshine album cycle, which Say Hello to Sunshine is my favorite Finch record, hands down. Uh, I think, as you'll hear in this episode as I talk about that record, because I get to nerd out a little bit about asking Nate what it was like, you know, the process of making that record, and just kind of some of the stories around that time frame. Um, but I ended up writing about that on the, on the Facebook group, because... It was the first time getting to see Finch, a band that I've been into since What It Is to Burn, and seeing a band that just didn't give a fuck and the crowd reacted in a, a pretty negative way, booing them, uh, at least in my particular case, uh, Randy was having guitar issues and kept walking on and off the stage, and again, more boos from the crowd, and just, as a whole, it was a very bad showing for a band that I thought was going to be so much better and was one of my favorites. And it's always stuck with me. Um, as, as I think about four days later, the band broke up. Um, so that was kind of a very bittersweet first and last time getting to see one of my favorite bands. And Ivy ended up commenting on my, my status from a perspective of someone who had a lot more intel as to the inner workings of, of Finch and, and what was going on around that time. And before I started to comment, to the effect of like this is sounding like from someone who knows something about it that most of us don't i recognize the last name and i follow nate on instagram and had noticed uh his wife's name was ivy and i, I kind of started putting two to two together that i think it was nate's wife that was replying to my comment and sure as shit it was but i sent her a message because i wanted to kind of keep everything on the down low and didn't really want to like blow up her spot like in facebook which i'm doing that now with this intro and with this episode so everyone in that facebook group is definitely going to know that uh nate's wife is now in that group but regardless we ended up chatting for i would say two three days maybe just about random shit and i started getting stories from ivy's perspective on that time frame in, in finch's history and I started realizing that they had been together for a long, long time. And as someone who's been with my, my now wife for a little over seven years and been married about a year and a half now, that a lot of people throw in the towel at the first signs of adversity and any difficulties in a relationship, whether it be, you know, relationships with dating or friendships or whatever. Like, it just seems like this is the world we live in where people are quick to, to throw in the towel. And to see someone who through the adversities of having to be so far away from someone while they're on tour and then subsequently dealing with you know maybe some of the bad issues that nate was dealing with on a personal level and it coming bringing it home with him 
you know, I know how it is like when my wife and I have bad days and one of us comes home to the other and, and basically vents about about that. Now, I can't imagine what that's like to be on the road missing your significant other, missing your friends, missing your family, and then basically, at least at the time frame of Say Hello to Sunshine, getting shit on because no one likes the record and then being booed during the live performances and trying to come home and at least, you know, explain that to your significant other, like... I don't know. That's a, it's a very hard thing to to kind of try to put myself into, and talking with Ivy really gave me a completely different perspective on a what it's like to be able to maintain a relationship through distance, through hardships, through everything. I mean, these two have been together for almost twenty years now, and it's one of those things where it's commendable, like I said, and it is definitely a a testament to how strong those two are as people and and how they want to be with each other in spite of you know some of the hardships and i think that's something that a lot of people can listen to and hopefully take something from and apply it to their own relationships or their own life and it definitely helps that you know like i said nate is one of uh the few handful of vocalists that i've i've really admired for a long time so to be able to pick his brain about say hello to sunshine era finch and stuff like that just get his perspective on things is really cool because i mean nate Nate has done one long-form interview that made the news about a year ago about the breakup of Finch again. You know, we discussed the demos that got put out uh, shortly after that that breakup of theirs this last time, and then we end up talking more about Private Lives, his new endeavor that's that's not really Finch-esque at all. However, I think a lot of the vocal melodies that you'll hear in some of the songs are, are very reminiscent to some of the Finch melodies that you've already been been accustomed to. So it's got something for old fans. But someone who is adventurous and ready to kind of take on a, a, new, a more adult-sounding uh, band musically, I think uh, a lot of us older fans will really appreciate what Nate's doing, especially if you are a fan of Crosses or Team Sleep. It's kind of got a little bit of a vibe like that. And I'm really excited to have had this conversation with, with both of these two. So without further ado, here's my chat with Nate and Ivy. Sitting in front of Ivy and Nate, is it Bar- Baraclow? I Bar- uh. Barclow. Okay, there's been like three or four different interviews I've heard where people say your name differently, but you never correct them. So I'm never sure like really? which. Yeah, I, feel, I feel like I always correct people, but maybe I got lazy. I don't know, but I, I have also noticed that there are times where you, uh, I think you're more looking at someone and just kind of taking it in because you'll be like biting your lip and. I think then you'll realize like the question like the conversation has stopped and they're waiting for you to talk and you're like oh shit uh yeah um oh, yeah. anything so I don't know I kind of pay more attention to the uh, nonverbal clues of what's going on so when you didn't correct anyone's like huh maybe maybe he just doesn't care or it's one of those where it's like it's like my last name where it's like people are gonna say it and you you can correct them and they're still gonna say it wrong so you're just like whatever it's my name's Nate. <laughs> A lot of people do that with their daughter's name. Yeah. Oh. They know it and they still don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of weird how that is. My wife's last name was Winterhalter and it's spelled exactly how it sounds and people would fuck it up all the time. They're like, excuse me, what was that again? And you're like, Winterhalter. Excuse me? Winterhalter. Oh, so like it sounds. Yeah. 
Like, why didn't you get that the first two times you asked me? Uh, but um, I'm going to put this right on Front Street. At first, we, Ivy and I actually started contacting each other through the ETIT Facebook group, which uh, is kind of a weird place to be and, and meet over the fandom of, of another band. Um, yeah. <laughs> so if nothing else, I, I'm glad that uh, I joined that Facebook group a while ago because it's been full of really interesting conversations and really interesting people that uh, I kind of have been coming friends with in a digital life, I guess. Um, it's very interesting. Um, <laughs> so I guess I'll start with, with the standard meet cute question. How did you two meet each other? High school. High school. Ninth have a, grade. Have a Ninth class grade. together or... Did we what? Have a class together? We had, what, drama? We had drama together, together but we <laughs> we met because he became friends with my boyfriend. Yeah, her boyfriend at the time. At the time. And, and they were, like, the, my only two friends, because I had just transferred from a different school to that school, <clears throat> and I didn't know anybody, so I had just met her boy, current boyfriend at the time, because uh, I was wearing a corn shirt. <laughs> And he was a corn fan, and he's like, "You like corn?" I'm like, "Yeah, let's be friends." So, <laughs> That's exactly how he sounded. Yeah. When he so then we became friends, and he had a hot girlfriend. So. Oh, <laughs> thank you. What a! I feel like you would have had the CD booklet. Was that a big thing too? Like matching CDs and becoming friends through like having a, a, the same style of music in common. Oh. You remember definitely. like those like obnoxiously like 300 page cd booklets and you'd bring them oh, drag yeah. them around the class mm -hmm. we have you... two of them yeah we still, still, yeah, we still have <laughs> full of crap did the cd still work because that was a problem with mine they they stopped working after a while some of them, some of them still work some of them yeah we ended up putting them all you know on the ipod or whatever so we don't use them anymore but still fun yeah. to go back through and look at them Bonded over like... some music yeah we had the same some music for sure <laughs> I feel like that was how easy it was back then. You could just find someone that had ACD or two in common, and you're like, I think we just became best friends. Cause you yeah, had... yeah a t-shirt or a sticker or something, and it's just like, you're best friends all of a sudden. Because yeah. well, like, even having band t-shirts wasn't that popular back then. No, yeah, you really. had to get them through uh, the back of Revolver on those like weird like inserts. <laughs> yeah. Same with like, CD or Warehouse or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in high school, did Nate, were you in... Were you in bands? Like, was that a thing that you were doing back then? Uh, kind of, what, sophomore year, junior year? I think I, I was in a band briefly for, well, for a little while. Well, I was playing like Beta Factor and stuff. Yeah, I was in some kind of, it started out as like a jokey band. It was called Beta Factor. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was really silly. But yeah. then I joined this other band called Probable Cause where I, I didn't know how to play keyboards, like, at all, really. <laughs> so I became the keyboard player just because I wanted to be in a band and they thought I was cool. And so then uh, we lost our singer, and then they're like, can you sing? I was like, I don't know, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> so then I started singing for them, and we made, like, a, a cassette tape. We recorded on a four-track and pressed a bunch of tapes. <laughs> uh, Probable Cause. Well, which later came, came back as Earthbound Ghost. Yeah, then... Not that, very long ago. That came back around, and it was it turned into Earthbound Ghost a couple of years ago. But um, that didn't it, really pan out. Beta Factor wasn't just silly. It, it was, was... They had, like, <laughs> canic suits with, like, computer parts glued to them. So it's sort of like Proto-Devo? Like, 
Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> I had a song called Clean Up Aisle 7. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, it wasn't. we didn't take ourselves too seriously. Oh, like monitors on their heads and... Yeah. Yeah. It, was it, was, fun. it was fun. It was awesome. It was not that serious. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny I to like... see how you look back on it, Nate, and to see how Ivy's like, no, it was fun, and... Like, yeah, the difference exactly. of being in it as opposed to me watching being, it. Me being the musician, I'm like that was that was garbage. It was a joke. She's like, it was fun. It, it was, was fun. <laughs> Were you guys doing originals back then, or was it mostly covers? No, we wrote our own songs. So even Definitely. starting that that early, even part like doing your own thing. Yeah, we, uh, me and my brother and my cousins, we grew up together really close, and uh, we all got like guitars. And my cousins or my uncle had a drum set in the house so like when he was at work we we weren't supposed to but we'd bang on his drum set and <laughs> like guitar and you know one of us would play drums one of us would play guitar the other one would just yell and we'd have we had a little like remember the tape decks little oh, cassette yeah. tape push record and play at the same time yeah <laughs> so we just put in tapes and push play and record and just record ourselves jamming live in a room it was sounded terrible and so yeah i mean we started pretty early with with music but what higher calling? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that I think is kind of interesting, uh, I can only think of personally like two people that I have known that have been with someone through high school and actually maintained once the, like once you're out of high school that first year. How are you guys able to to stay together? I mean, that's kind of a really interesting time where people kind of want their freedom to, to go do whatever or go off to college or whatever. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That's kind of, I always wonder how like people are able to stay together through that, like really difficult time to, for people to actually stay together. Yeah. I think tour did that. I yeah. Mean, we, we took, we had a lot of time apart from each other um, quite frequently because when Finch took off, you know, like I, was flying overseas and we do u.s tours and we would did that used to i think that was the longest one we did that was, oh, that was on the self-titled record or the first record of that was on the first record yeah. okay yeah um we did a co-headliner with the used that God, was headliner that early it, 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 it was that was with my chemical romance yeah it was my chemical romance was they the were like, open it was like 2001 two somewhere around there that was yeah, like two. It was yeah. It was before my chemical romance was anything. Like nobody knew who they it were. Probably. Well, it was I'm trying to think if it was before or after the Warped Tour. I can't no, I mean remember. how long? Like it was a couple months, right? Yeah, it was like two. It was like maybe. two, almost three months that I was gone straight. I mean that that back then that was a long time, and I was, it was. that was like it puts a strain on you, but at the same time it's it's healthy, you know, to have time apart, but. Tour is such a, it's such a circus and it's so different. It's not real life, you know what I mean? So it's, it's hard it's to stay, stay grounded. And if you have somebody at home that is grounded and at home living reality that can bring you back to that while you're out in that fantasy world, I think that helped a lot. Well, I think being friends for a few years before we got together, like really good friends... I think that was a big deal. Yeah. I think it's a big deal to be friends, to actually, you know. Have that sounds... established foundation first. Yeah, right, like to, right. to like the person, not just love the person, <laughs> but like them, you know. Have them be your friend, laugh and do stupid shit together. 
<laughs> but yeah, it's, I think touring, you touring kept it fresh, you know? Yeah. Made the heart go fonder with the distance, as they always say. Right. Yes. Right. Totally. I think. Yeah. No. And you know, I'd go visit them and stuff, but it would be like five weeks in, and then I'm just like, I can't stand this. Can I come out for a week or so? Yeah. But by that time, I'm burnt. I'm just like, get me out of here. <laughs> Did that help recharge the batteries for you though at all? Like to see her for a little bit, and then continue like, especially on something that's like two to three months long. If she's coming in, you know, a little over a month in, does that help kind of get through the rest of it or just make it worse where you're just like, I just want to go? It kind of made it worse because it's yeah. like, you know, then you feel like you're so close to home, but you still have a little ways to go. And then it, I don't know, it's really easy to get jaded on tour. It's, uh, especially for you, you're a whole body completely. Yeah, I'm, uh, <laughs> Tour is not not easy for me. It never was, but you know, you get through it. Um, at one point with, between Ivy when we Ivy and I when we were talking, she had mentioned how she was kind of like the merch girl, kind of had more of a behind the scenes uh, job, I'll call it, with within the Finch camp. Uh, at what point did it kind of? Because uh, usually that's always like the the sort of kiss of death, like when someone's girlfriend's like a pseudo band manager <laughs> running merch whatever uh as someone who books shows that's always like the weird thing where it's like oh no my this is a our merch person and yet i never see them selling merch near the merch area they're just like hanging out with their friends when they get there it's just a way to like not have to pay but uh <laughs> <laughs> i'm onto that game um but it's one of those things where uh i kind of wanted to know a little bit more about that because i mean it it seemed like that was a fun time for for you ivy like getting to kind of see the band take off and, and be a part of it it was um they were gonna go on their first tour in a van and they came to say bye and like they came to my apartment and i was like i'm gonna go <laughs> i'm just gonna go like let you guys need someone to do merch i just kind of like pushed my way in there and I mean we were all really good friends and um our friend Mike had kind of done the same thing and he ended up being their guitar tech and so I went and that's kind of when it started and then I ended up getting to um go on the warp tour which was a big deal and I didn't just do their merch I did drive through records merch as well so me and another guy Matt Actually, yeah, a, all few, the, a couple people. All the drive-through bands were under one tent for merch, so uh, it was like everybody kind of like somebody had to go take a piss. You had to cover someone yeah. else's table. It was all like this big community of people, and the Warp Tour, like mer as far as merch, I mean, you can explain this better, but oh it's, my God. it's a friend rough. of mine does that it, the last few years, and it, it looks like hell. It is so rough. Doing it is, that. but I mean, Richard and Stephanie, who own Drive-Through Records, um had invited me to do that I don't I feel like somebody dropped off or something and then they asked me and I was like hell yes <laughs> so um yeah so then I did that and then I did the newfound glory tour after which was kind of rough on it on us so you were um, on sorry to cut you off you were on a different tour than Nate or were you guys on that tour together no we were on the tour together yeah, because was, they I was were gonna on say the that would have been kind of interesting if you would have gotten a, a side gig basically being a touring merch person, and then you both are oh, basically yeah. on the road at different times. 
it was I I did their merch, but I we did all the drive-through record stage, and it's crazy because you get up, you have to be out there at like seven to unload the entire stage because right. it's all like folds up into this you know box that gets pulled to the next city, and then so you're working from like you know you get up at six and you're done at like ten at night. You know, so that was grueling, but it was one of the best times of my life. It was really fun. Really fun. And then the Newfound Glory tour was after that. Is that something corporate too? I don't know. There were a bunch of bands on that tour. And then after that, I was like, I was kind of done with it. And, you know, it's just, you know, well, we, think... we just kind of agreed like, oh, just get somebody else. The band also, I think we were at a point where it was like, Everybody was in agreement. Like we need to get like a professional merch person. Oh, you know. <laughs> no, I'm I'm just, I'm totally I was, I was gonna say, I was like, wow, still, still I'm upset about it all these years later. <laughs> I was upset about it because I thought she was working out, but everybody was like, you know, we need to step up our game and get somebody that's like professional and like that's so yeah, everything. No, because it was so, so ship, weird though. Yeah, it's... it was getting bigger and the ship needed to run as smooth as possible and you know, yeah, all that it was kind of it stuff. was getting big and um, I just you know it's it started taking its hold on me and I you know towards the end I was just screwing around and I you know, leave my post and, like, leave the other people there to, like, watch my stuff while I went and, like, you know, smoked weed on the bus or whatever, you know, <laughs> went to go see Nate or whatever. So, I, yeah, I was getting over it. They were over it, so. I mean, I don't think there were really any hard feelings. It was just, like. Time to go. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, Sick. <laughs> oh. It's it's been kind of funny and, and kind of prepping for this and going back through basically all of Nate's discography is as much as I could cram in, in about a week uh, that I wasn't familiar with, which wasn't really too much, but uh, I've been thinking and, and, and with talking to my wife uh, about actually we're talking about today during lunch, uh, how, what, what it was, or what it is to burn. I almost pulled the uh, same problem your label did when they put, put it on vinyl. Um, <laughs> With the uh, What It Is To Burn being such like a landmark record for so many people, you know, of my age, our age, what what does that do to you when you're kind of, and more so to Nate, obviously, uh, what does this do to you when you are a young man and people are just kind of like you're at the, the height of this new scene that's kind of gaining so much momentum and becoming... Like, I remember it being, What It Is To Burn being, like, a huge song on, like, MTV2, like, when videos actually still were played on MTV. And it was, like, you know, you, Bert, and, like, a handful of other people I can think of, like, and Chris Caraba from Dashboard, like, people who were just like, oh, my God, this this dude. What is that like at to get that kind of notoriety at such a young age? I don't know. When you're in it, it kind of doesn't make sense, because you're like, why, why do people like this? You know what I mean? It's just like, we're just a bunch of dudes playing music or whatever but you kind of you don't really figure it out until later that stuff might might have been more important than you thought it was or is important to people and not so much you like when I you know when I'm on tour and you're playing the songs over and over and over and over again and doing this almost the same set list every night and you kind of lose well you just you lose sight of like kind of 
where like how other people might see it because it's almost it's virtually impossible for the creator to see it as a piece outside of how yeah, you created it you know you're in your bubble and other people see you in such a different way and they hear the music in such a different way so it's a bit strange to you know people wanting autographs or things like that don't really make sense to me because it's just like like who I'm, it's just me like who cares you know like it's just <laughs> I mean music touches people and people react to it and it's art and stuff but being on the inside it's it's a little maybe it's just me I don't know a lot of people get swept up in it and get big heads and egos and stuff and it's I think that's where it gets messy it never there's a you. there's a line there that of humanity that needs to remain you know so I don't know if that answers your question no no it totally does and kind of like I was saying it's uh as looking back and, and having some friends here in the Michigan area who have been in bands and got signed at a really young age uh you know I've kind of talked to them about it and it's always, like I said, it's interesting to look back on someone coming into their formative years as an adult, but having this like added pressure of being in the in the public eye, being a product for somebody to make money off of, and the added pressures that has, and then even you know, and Ivy can speak onto this, what that does to your your relationship, like when he comes home and you know maybe having a bad tour or you know label dumping on him or whatever, it's just like you know he's got to come home to you and kind of. I would assume because, like, I mean, it's just human nature to, to kind of come home and vent to the person that you're you're with. I mean, I mean, I do it all the time. My wife does it oh, like when yeah, she comes I home from a shit too. day at work. But it's like it's a completely different yeah. circumstance of Nate's job compared to like, say, me who makes fucking t-shirts for Paxson and shit like that. Like, if I fuck <laughs> up, like, oh no, someone didn't get their thirty dollar t-shirt. But you know, well, it was there were some dark times, and. Like, I remember when we went to um, to Europe on the Sunshine Tour, it was three weeks, and that's when, like, what year was that? must have been oh, like five. five. Yeah. So, it was when the bombings happened in London. We were there. I don't know if you remember we, that. Yeah, we left on, the, I think, the day it happened. But, like, that, he, he was not happy on that tour at all. Yeah, I, <laughs> there were points during tour where I, I was, like, I felt like Roger Waters during the wall, you know what I mean? Where it's just, like hated everyone hated the crowd didn't care anymore like i didn't care about those people i didn't care about singing the songs for them they didn't deserve it you know what i mean like i just i i broke yeah <laughs> i was broken especially from the hymn tour that that's that was right that tour time. was a disaster like mental <laughs> mentally exhausting and it i i snapped after that i just i it broke me and but... i think that had a lot to do with us breaking up because we we're just like we were all broken we were just like that had never happened to us before getting booed you know just every night just relentless yeah. and it made us play harder and angrier and it still didn't matter like we just we started giving more energy and more more aggression and then tried to play harder and faster and play all our hard songs and just do whatever we could to make them happy and it just it did not work and it was rough. <laughs> we all just broke. The thing yeah. I was going to say that. Had... Good. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say it's kind of ironic that the that Sunshine came out and they went on that tour or whatever. It was for Sunshine. Yep. And those were 
compared to their first record, those were bizarre songs. Like, they were weird. And him is a weird band. I like him, but they, you know, their music is different. So it was really, I think, really unexpected that the crowd did not like them so much. It was just like, wow, really? Yeah, I think we thought it was going to be awesome, you know, like perfect match. Like, love metal meets, you know, like quirky (laughs) emo stuff i don't know whatever. well and we watched like the cky videos all the time and like yeah. you know loved all those guys and we're like oh him you know this yeah. is gonna be awesome and then it was not awesome it was disaster. <laughs> the, the weird thing to me and, and i've talked to avi about this um say hello to sunshine is my favorite record out of the finch like discography um to me i love kind of how dark it was how unexpected it was when it came out in conjunction to paralleling what it is to burn i thought the band like in talking with a lot of friends as people do when you talk about an album and someone goes oh the band really shit the bed when they put out blank record to me that was the record i always defended saying you know i don't think the band could have sustained a long career if they would have just continued on what it is to burn other bands were already doing it so it would have fizzled out eventually. So they needed to do something different. And there were songs even on that, that record that kind of showcased that this was kind of maybe where they were going. But I remember it didn't seem like there was a lot of press from what I remember, like a lot of promo behind that record. Uh, not in, not as much as what I remember for what it is to burn. And speaking on to the hymn thing, I'm a huge, like him is one of my favorite bands. And that tour that you were on, the Dark Light tour, was a weird time for that band even because they were coming yeah. off of Love Metal, which was arguably, outside of Razorblade Romance, like their biggest selling record internationally. And Dark Light kind of was a weird record in and of itself and kind of started the shift that you would end up seeing on like Venus Doom and stuff where it kind of went more like six, seven minute long songs, sludgier guitars, more Black Sabbath-y inspired than it had been. So to me, I actually, like you were just saying, I thought the marriage of him on that tour you guys on say hello i thought it was gonna be a really nice like weird melancholy thing with a lot of like introspective lyrics that kind of are for people who are a little more adventurous with their music choices and want a little bit more out of the bands that they're seeing and as i was saying earlier before recording to see the reaction that you just recounted where it's like people are booing all the time and it was like that was my first time seeing you guys and i was really pumped to see you on that specific touring cycle and i saw you in detroit and then like i said i think about four or five days after that my stop on the tour you guys broke up and i was like well i'm not surprised like that looked like a band that didn't give a shit anymore and specifically you like i remember you saying at the very end during what it is to burn you going this is probably our most well-known song you probably know it fuck it it's what it is to burn (laughs) fuck you and then just cut into it and i was like wow (laughs) And you guys seem to play it with like just such a disdain for not the song itself, but just the crowd. Like, and very much like you said, like it's interesting to hear you say how I felt you were playing these songs, which is just like I just didn't care about the people who were there. They were booing us and fuck them. So, and it's like it kind of came across, and it really sucked. And I sent the man got... at the end of his rope. <laughs> that was me. The weird thing though is I felt like on some of the songs from Say Hello, I felt like the mood that you guys were in actually made the songs a lot cooler just like how much more moodier they were and i was like "Ooh, i like this extra angst added to it like too bad this wasn't on the record Uh, we were all pissed off we were playing really mad (laughs) (laughs) well and it was yeah i mean it's not the most professional thing to do it's kind of childish to take it that direction and 
you know, say stupid stuff on stage or mess up your own songs on purpose. But what was you're you're human, it's, it's you know? rough. You're only yeah, you know, you're only human, so it's it's hard to bottle up your emotions for an entire tour and just suck it up and go to some blank place in your mind and play the songs like a robot get booed get off stage and try and enjoy the rest of your night you know it's knowing that the next day you're going to have to go through it all again out of curiosity since i'll probably never get this opportunity to ask you personally what was the recording process like for say hello to sunshine um (laughs) (laughs) it was long Long. took about two years to make that record were were the um, demos of that users. were that were the demos like completely different from where it ended up or was the was it always kind of in how the final product ended up sounding? They were pretty close. There's a couple like strange bridges or um, intros or something like you know a couple changes in a few verses that might have been different. But for the most part, most of those songs were already there, and we just we had to tweak a little bit of things, but. We started working with Mark Trombino again. You went through three producers. That's oh, right. Wow, really? Ben. ben. I forgot about yeah. Ben. So we started with Trombino because we're like, hey, you did the first one. Let's knock it out of the park with Trombino. And something happened. He he wasn't in it fully. He wasn't focused, I don't think. I don't know what was going on with him. Um, maybe personal stuff. I'm not sure. It, we just didn't feel like he was he was fully invested and um i'm sorry i mean if mark hears this i'm not trying to be a jerk it's that's just just how it was i love mark he's a great guy but it just didn't work out so then we canned him and found um was named ben ben good good good? ben good he worked at big fish studios yeah he was and uh he was working with mark and then so we started using him and Redid all the guitars and redid all of this stuff and all that. <laughs> Spent God. weeks and weeks on guitar tones, like long time on guitar tones, longer than it should have lasted. Months. I'm, you know, I'm sitting around waiting and waiting and waiting just to sing a scratch vocal. So then I get to sing a scratch vocal, and then it's ten takes, fifteen takes, twenty takes, thirty takes of the same song, and I'm like, dude, how many times do you need me to sing this? So it, that got messy too. Where we're just like, this isn't working out. So then, <laughs> then we got Jason Cup, oh. and God bless him. <laughs> Little he, angel. God bless him. He saved the record. He was fully invested, super excited. He was a friend um, first, you know, and he enjoyed the music first before he was a producer. He he be ended up becoming like a six member in and my yeah eyes. he he definitely he was... did his his character and his choices and he's all over that record he pushed he, it he pushed and he got us to play our best and do come up with our best ideas and do the best we absolutely could and, and shit. God bless him for it because yeah. that like you said that's that's also my favorite Finch record from our catalog that's. Probably the thing I'm the most proud of in our career is that record. And recording it was, despite how long it took and the producer changes and all that stuff, once we settled with, settled in with Jason, it was, it was so fun. It was great, great times. Now, Ivy, <laughs> you have talked about uh, when the record came out, how you felt about it when we've been communicating. I always find it interesting 
getting talking to people who get to hear some of these songs before and, and finding out like you're so close to the project that you had said that you initially weren't really a fan, a fan of that record at, at first. Yeah. Um, I, I, you knew that. <laughs> oh my God. I would I'm tell kidding. you, no, he would like bring demos home and I'm like, what is this? So what is this crap? <laughs> because it didn't sound like what it is to burn. And you know, when, when you're in it, like kind of touching back on the question you'd asked before about, you know, like when you're in it, you don't realize how big it is. And then when you come outside of it, you're like, oh, shit. Like, that was, like, you're going on different radio shows and MTV shows and all this stuff. So then when they were recording Sunshine, you realize how big what it is to burn was. And it's like, okay, well, you have to keep that going or whatever, you know. And so then it it went in a totally different direction. And I was just like, <laughs> what are you guys doing? What is this stuff? That was our middle, I hate this song. Was our middle finger to the, to yeah. the record industry is what it was. What's and Nate's that? like, no, no, no. He's like, you just got to wait. You just got to wait. We're going to add do this and this. And it's going to be good. It's going to be really good. And I'm just like, oh, whatever. And then he was right. Because at the <laughs> end, I was just like, this is a freaking masterpiece. I, I loved it. I still love it. I still listen to it. Yes. <laughs> she does. Nate, do you think, do you think that that, uh, helped you get ready for kind of the reaction to that record like having your own wife girlfriend whatever you two were at the time kind of being the basis for how the the general populace was going to react to it like did that kind of get you more prepared for it than maybe some of the other people no i think we were, <laughs> we were so excited about it that we were arrogant enough to think that like people are gonna eat this up it's gonna be the sickest thing ever and <laughs> when you were young too well yeah and we were also just we were this force we were this furious force of just like we don't we don't care what other people think like we're doing this for us we want to put out this crazy record after everyone else like it didn't yeah. matter so we didn't really care so i think in we got swept up in that thinking that like this is going to blow people's minds, and it went the total other way. <laughs> I mean, at first it went, you know, it kind of went sour, and the label hated it and tried to shelve it. And Even your manager? No, there was bad, there was no, like you said, there's barely any press for it. They didn't push it at all. and They wanted to shelve it. it. They did. And really? It, it, mm-hmm. Yeah, they wanted to put it in a box. And we're like, you can't do that, man. <laughs> So wow. we fought for it, and we we picked a single, and they're like, "No, we're gonna go with this one." And they went with bite marks because it was more sounded like what it is to burn. It was six eight feel, you know. They wanted to try and be like, "Remember these guys, the six eight man." See, the weird thing that I remember, <laughs> we, wanted, we wanted Ink to be the single. I thought that like, was the single. Looking back, it was. I, I think it, afterwards they kind of they put it. It was on a video game or something, and they kind of okay. put it out sort of as a pseudo oh, single. Right. Okay. But it never really. We didn't make a video for it or anything. Brotherly. I was yeah. gonna say, speaking actually speaking of those two songs, uh, something I've always wondered: which came first, the bridge part to uh, "Brother Bleed Brother," or the verse riff to "Ink"? Because they they're shared. Um. That's funny that you noticed that. Um, That's like when I, I first heard that record. That was like I was like, "Holy shit, this is cool!" They had a callback to another song, and made it the main verse riff to their like what I thought was the single, but I guess I remember that wrong. Who did? 
Randy wrote Ink, so I don't. I feel like Grizzly wrote Brother or that bridge, or it might have been Derek and Grizzly. I'm not sure. Derek wrote a lot. Derek wrote a lot of stuff. So he was really he was like the bridge guy when we were stuck and we needed a bridge. Derek showed up and was just like. <laughs> he was a great writer. He was. He was a fantastic writer. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure which which came first, to be honest. Because it's so um, weird. Cause like you said, that, that bridge is. I was gonna say that bridge yes. just stops. Like, it cuts into that riff, stops, and goes on that like repeating part for like three or four times, and then goes back into the chorus that doesn't have anything to do with the bridge. So I always right. wondered, like, was the bridge like kind of an afterthought? Like, hey, we got this riff. Fuck it. And then for kind of forgot like. Oh, here's this cool riff I have, and then it's like, yeah, that sounds familiar. No, oh, it's good, whatever. And you just write a whole other song around it because, like, I've done that. <laughs> yeah, I, there was a lot of that going on when we were writing. There was parts were part of other songs, and we'd switch them, or like, you know, we we dump one part and leave this other part, and we're like, well, what do we do with this? And we're like, well, we need a bridge in this song and try to fit it in here, and then be like, oh, that works. And so a lot of a lot of those things that you hear that feel connected are because they might have been ideas from other songs and we kind of mashed them up. I don't really remember if we did that specifically, but I know there was a couple moments where things were we were kind of just using whatever we had because they we wrote a lot of cool stuff and I think we just tried to fit it all together. And that's why a lot of it's so weird is because we just mashed things together that we we're working on that we thought sounded cool a lot of them were from we wrote songs from beginning to end but there was a lot of we had a lot of holes in songs and we needed to fill them with something so we you know bounced stuff off the wall and it landed in a song so i wasn't I sure know. if that was part of a bigger like no I don't, conscious it decision like to do something like that and be like oh no, we're gonna fuck with people and be really cool <laughs> no i think it just kind of floated its way in there and happened to be that way because we were so invested in each song and thought everything was so cool that we just wanted to fit everything in there so i don't know i it could have been a part of ink at one point i'm not sure i don't remember um <laughs> what's and this is more to ivy since she's in this facebook group that i'm talking about uh it was weird in, in setting this up i think a couple of days ago someone posted uh, the Say Hello to Sunshine record that that person had and saying, like, this was the best record, you know, what does anyone else think? And to see a lot of people give it love uh, over 10, over 10 oh. years now or so. And I was telling her, and I kind of alluded to it earlier, about how I think Say Hello to Sunshine is to Finch what Shape of Punk to Come was for Refused in the fact that when Refused put that record out, it flopped. It didn't mm -hmm. do well. People didn't like it because it wasn't Fan the Flames of Discontent. And basically the band broke up very shortly yeah. thereafter. And then it mm -hmm. wasn't until there was like a 10-year gap of the band not existing where people finally were able to take in the record, let it grow on them. I think maybe remove themselves from clicks, trends, whatever, to make their own opinion on something. And I, I'm wondering if you're noticing, collectively between the two of you, if you're noticing that that's what's happening with that record. Like, people now are able to have grown up and understand maybe what you were doing all that time ago. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Does it feel more it, validating it, at this point? Yeah, it took a good, like, I don't know, five years after that record actually came out where people actually first started saying, that record's awesome, or that's my favorite Finch record. It took a long time. And it, it's 
it's nice. It feels nice, but I'm always telling those people that used to come up to me and say that. I'm like, where were you when the record came out, bro? Like, <laughs> we needed you, man. You know, like, but I get it. Some things go over people's heads, and we 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 got weird, and it took a while. It took, it took a while to sink in. I think so. I was trying to think. Well, it, it, looked... was, it was ahead of its time, so people are you know catching up to it now. I think. Not to like sound arrogant or whatever, <laughs> but like <laughs> I, I, I think that was a big part of it. Kind of like Shape of Punk to Come, because like I didn't know that that record, that Shape of Punk to Come, came out when it did until you told me that. Yeah, I thought because we were listening to it in the van when Finch first started touring, and that was a few years after it came out, and I had thought it came out like then. You know, I thought yeah. Nick Mendoza had found, yeah. which was their tour manager. Had, you know, found, because he would put on music in the van all the time, and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, refused. I just thought it was new. I thought it was something new, and he was always up on the new stuff. But I didn't know it had been a few years old at that point. So yeah. I think that record was definitely ahead of its time, too. That was People the, love it now. That yeah. was the catalyst of uh, finding another band and getting into a record and being like, oh, fuck, I broke up. <laughs> And then, so, and then it like followed with you guys where I was like, oh, I get to see this band on this awesome tour. No, fuck, they broke up. So I was like, okay, apparently I'm not allowed to like anything anymore because then they break up. I should just be a casual fan at best and I'll never be disappointed. Uh, moving on from Finch, though, at that point you started up uh, Reverend Crow. Mm-hmm. What? I'm one of those rare fans that follow somebody into the next project or any project they do how hard is it to start a new project and know that it's not going to be what the other thing is, but people don't seem to get that no matter how much you forewarn them or release small snippets to inform them like, Hey, this isn't going to be Finch too. Uh, yeah, there's really no way to prepare people for that. Cause they're always gonna, I think the majority of people are always going to assume earth, you know, they think, I was in Finch and I was screaming and stuff. So obviously like anything I do, I'm going to do that same thing. Cause that's what I like. But I like so much other, so many other bands and types of music that, you know, I, I'd like to try everything at least once. And, um, I, since I was 10, I wanted to play guitar and sing in a band. And that's, so Reverend Crow was just that for me. That's how it started. And, I was kind of, I just started listening to Nirvana again. I grew up on Nirvana, so I started listening to Nirvana a lot again. And I got all of those rhythms and that kind of style in my head. And then I just started writing a bunch of songs and got some people together and just wanted to play them. And I think for the most part, people liked it. But I think, like you said, they were kind of expecting like, oh, Nate's in a new band, so it's going to sound like Finch. (laughs) But... That's not what it was. It was something totally. It was supposed to be totally different. I, I like to. I like everything that I do outside of Finch um, to be different from Finch because it's. I, I I will always wanted to keep all of that stuff separate from Finch. I didn't want because I've seen a lot of people break out of bands and do side projects or other bands and stuff, and it's just more of the same you know it's more of the same stuff and it's just like well if you're gonna go for it like go for it do something like do something different that nobody's ever heard then i gotta so, ask how do you feel about all the chinos side projects they're interesting i mean i, I like 
I didn't really like um, crosses that much on record. On, not on record. See that shit live. I did. That's okay. what I was about to say. Yeah. I didn't like it too much on record, and then I saw them live, and I was like, this is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was great. And that kind of brought a new life to it for me, and so th- that was cool. I'd, I never, I didn't g- really get into Palms too much. We loved um, Team Sleep, though. Team I felt Sleep like was- that was basically a lighter crosses though like it was the precursor to what crosses would be and the funny yeah. thing is to me and, and sorry to cut, cut you guys off on your own question but i was gonna say it's weird to see people hate on team sleep because like i went and saw them play at the intersection here in grand rapids and like no one was there but i went to the house of blues to see crosses and that thing was damn near sold out and it's like it's kind of very similar uh, yeah, that's Sean Lopez. We we saw crosses or uh, team sleep. Team sleep in San very Diego, very in early. Very yeah, early before on. they well they didn't that whole thing with the album got all messed up. But yeah, um, yeah, that was really was really early. Small, I mean, Canes is like this big, tiny show. <laughs> Chino came out in like a, Chino came out in like a hoodie, and he was just like he didn't care. He was just you know they were just playing. It was it felt like their first show or something. Like, it, it did. Was very it small felt like that. They weren't that rehearsed like they sounded good but it didn't they didn't feel like rehearsed really like it was but it was still awesome we talked with um zach the drummer oh for a while outside the guy uh, from hella mm -hmm. the drummer from hella yeah he's that was good i I like you know i love chino and i love his voice i love the deftones and i'm always going to check out stuff that he does but i'm not too religious about you know the following. cult of Chino, <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not on that bandwagon of like. I'll, I'll listen to any. I have all his records. I'll listen to anything he does. Just because I, I, I do have musical taste. That is just like if it doesn't hit me, it doesn't hit me. You know. Um, was was the one that we really liked or cross? I, see, I I don't even crosses. really follow it. That we, much. we did like crosses, but there was. I, don't I know. just remember a time period where we we were like, we really need to listen to this stuff to see what it's like or yeah, see. <laughs> Why everybody likes it so much, and okay, it was crosses. Because it's dark and seductive, and Sean Lopez and <laughs> Chuck Doom know what they're doing. Yeah. As far as building no, songs. They're fantastic live. That was a great show. The takeaway for me was their drummer. I was like, holy shit, this dude's a beast. Uh-huh. But I don't think anyone noticed him. I was like, this is just, are you not watching this drummer? <laughs> um, kind of going back to the end of, of Finch, Ivy, like, what was that like for Nate coming back? without having to be gone all the time like was it nice to have him back or was it kind of like eh, this sucks the first time <laughs> uh yeah sure the first time <laughs> um gosh i'm trying to think of like what was going on in our lives outside of that it was uh first time. <laughs> yeah because there's been a few yeah um it was a weird time. I mean, it just kind of felt like, to tell you the truth, it kind of felt wrong. <laughs> like, I feel like he felt a little lost, maybe. Things ended so strangely. and I don't know. Like, through almost our whole relationship, he's been doing this band, you know? And so when it ends, it's like... Does it feel like a part of it like ended for you as well like being so like a part of it that's what yeah that's what i'm trying to say is it's it's, it didn't just end for him it like ended for us because then it's like 
It's like you get really good at sketching with a pencil, and then someone takes away your pencil. <laughs> You're like, what? Okay, well, now what am I well, supposed yeah, to do? Yeah, and then you have to, like, do real life, because they were doing really well. I didn't work. I didn't, you know, I was at home, like, living it up and hanging out with my sisters. <laughs> and, like, so then he comes home, and we're like, okay, well, now we got to, like, get jobs, and we got to, like, do real life. And so it was, it was strange, and it was sad, and it was... Out in on one hand, I was like, you know, it was so tumultuous at the end that I was like, yeah, you know, just cut it loose, get out of there. And then when you, you when he's not doing it for a while, you're just like, damn, this sucks because <laughs> that's that's what he should be doing. He's you know a born musician, and it was very strange. It was very strange, and you know nobody talked to anybody like. I mean, I, I, maybe the other guys did. I don't know, but Nate didn't. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, and we would hang out at Derek's house, like, every freaking day, you know, and the the their guitar techs lived there, their um, tour manager lived there. I mean, those were our friends. That's who we hung out with. So then everything stops, and they break up, and it's like you you lose you lose a big part of your life, and you just... It was weird, man. <laughs> it was really weird. It was weird losing all those people, you know, just because of whatever, whatever the reason, the pride, the ego, I don't even know, you know, but it was strange, you know, you had to walk into a whole different life. I feel like that would be kind of a weird thing to go through as a, as a couple, like the thing that has been around most, not most of, but like a, a good chunk of your relationship is, is gone. <laughs> And it's almost like the loss of, almost like the loss of a partner, kind of. I mean, like a it's whole entity. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a divorce. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so with Reverend Crow, it seemed like by the time you started picking up any momentum with it, it Finch was back. Um, <laughs> That's what they do. <laughs> it was it was very weird because I was I think you were teasing like that you were working either on a full length or at least another like bucket of songs. A bucket of songs? That's not a monetary or a unit of songs. Uh, another batch of songs. And uh was one of those things where I was really looking forward to seeing what was going on with that band since it was kind of a more fleshed out band with, with other members. And then it was like, all right, Finch is back. And I was pretty excited about it, but it kind of sucked that you just went back to do a, another reunion tour of sorts for the, the anniversary thing. And I think it was more just fatigue as a, as a concert goer that it seemed like everyone was doing it. Yeah. And and I didn't realize that until we, like, quote-unquote, signed up to do that. Like, they were like, let's do this. And I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of a good idea. And then I started noticing that, like, all these bands were doing this. And then yeah, it was crazy. after we did it, even more bands were doing it. And I was just like, oh, man, we were just part of that. Like, that sucks. Like, that really <laughs> sucks. So I didn't really, yeah, it was kind of a bummer. And being yanked out of... Reverend Crow sucked because I was really invested in that and I really wanted to take that to a level of like at least get a record out and play a few shows and do that kind of stuff and Finch just swooped in <laughs> stuck their claws back in and yanked me back into the whole thing and I was just like it, I don't know that was just something that always happened to me with that band and well it's hard to say no to money yeah and it's also hard to when you're not making any money to be like, Hey, we can go make some quick cash doing this real fast. And it's like, uh, all right, sure. Not it, that's what, no. It's not what it was all about, but it's, it's 
it's hard to draw that line. I think you're one of the more open people to at least admit that that is what a part of it was, because so many people are like, no, it's about reconnecting with the fans and you know giving them a time that they remember and blah 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 it's like okay but at the same time like your tours weren't doing very good and all of a sudden you do this and now you're selling out you know rooms twice the size of what you're used to playing at twice the amount of money and it's like everybody gets all juiced up and be like oh let's just keep it going let's keep it going let's keep it going and we make another record and you know then it just the whole thing just snowballs and i felt like i felt like and i I say this i say this to people that I, i talk to with during these like i have any like knowledge on this shit at all but i felt like it was right back where it was for say hello to sunshine like i didn't feel like there was much push behind the record it didn't seem like the fan base gave a shit it was like we only like this one fucking record and eh. and it really sucked because it's like i again i i liked what uh was it oblivion i'm kind of blanking in the day and age now with cell phones where it shits on your phone you kind of forget what uh what yeah. albums are what song titles are um but it's one of those things, like, I felt like it was just right back where you were before you broke up the first time, and that kind of bummed me out, because I, I kind of wondered if the same thing was going to happen, and lo and behold, yeah, it kind of did. that's what it felt like, and it kind of felt like that was going to be our career. We just keep pushing and try and put out new stuff and keep ahead of ourselves and write stuff that we thought was, you know, better than the last record or whatever, and all anyone wanted to hear was the old stuff. They just wanted to hear what is to burn, and they just wanted the reunion shows, and everything just started dipping after that, and that's when I started noticing like this, this isn't gonna last much longer, guys. Like we can make an, maybe another record after Oblivion, but it's not gonna it's not gonna work out. And everybody, you know, had different ideas and thought that we could stretch it out another five, ten years or whatever. And you know, I'm getting older, and I'm I, I just I don't I was like I don't want to sit and do this over and over again like i need to do something else and can't be stuck in this rut well yeah again. at 24 you don't want to write what it is to burn again you're certainly not going to want to write it again at, at thir- 32 or yeah no old. i started just... feeling like you at, at that yellow card tour like i was like you know you're finally here playing shit off of a uh, sail load of sunshine that i'm liking you're playing some of the good stuff off of oblivion and i'm like looking around and my wife took a snapchat of me being pissed at looking looking around all the people like why don't you fucking know these songs stop just singing the yeah. ones <laughs> and then it's like they did it for yellow cartoon i'm like god what the fuck is wrong with people and it's like i'm not even in the band i'm just upset as like a fan of a band and wanting to hear the band stick around and i'm just like this is why this band's never going to be able to do anything a band i love is never going to be able to do anything past this one record because like it's all like with their money all they're showing that they want and yeah. I don't know, just as it's infuriating as a, as a fan of a band to, to see that. And like, I can only imagine it's probably amplified tenfold at least to be the person performing and just seeing people like during yeah, songs that aren't and stuff. Cause it's like, how long has that record been out now? And like, you guys still can't get into it. It's like, give me a break. Like all you want to hear is what it is to burn and maybe a song off oblivion. Like that, that's not going to be our whole career. We're not going to play casinos and just play the hits. <laughs> like we're not, poison you know I, what I mean fuck like, I was poison. just gonna say them too <laughs> I was I just gonna say poison I don't want that so yeah. it's it's well and it, what's bizarre to me is that we're 35 most of their fans are our age you know mm-hmm. give or take a few years yeah <laughs> yeah me. and it's like 
So you want them to keep writing stuff they were writing when they were like 18 and yeah. 19 years old? I mean, it's... I'm definitely not the same person I was when that record came out, but I don't... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, to, to want what it is to burn part two, it's just kind of immature, and I don't... Not that that record's not good, but it's... I personally think that record belongs in that time period. I feel like Sunshine is very timeless. You can listen to, you know... Yeah. That... What is to burn belongs in that era to me, you know, like, yeah, that's why so many people are talk about nostalgia when they talk about that record or they talk about nostalgia when they went to the reunion shows and like, oh, eighth grade me is so stoked or, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's, just, it's like, okay, why do you want to keep reliving like, okay, eighth grade your entire grade. life? Like, let's, let's move on, like something else, you know, like progress a little bit and. I don't know. It, especially lately, it's just the era of nostalgia, and um, <laughs> you know, there's bands that are just doing things in that era. <laughs> Something I've kind of been wondering with you guys living out in California, that emo night that's been like just like spreading like wildfire all the way out here. Even you're shaking your head now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm waiting for another one-off in show. I mean, they got from first to last to reunite, and I didn't think that was ever going to happen. That's oh, crazy. Yeah, with Sonny. Yeah, like I nuts. never, I I figured maybe he'd do the one song he did, but I never figured they would get back together and at least perform a song. Like, no yeah. way. But so, so, it's it's interesting to see that other people and bands from those time periods are attaching to it. And I don't know if it's just because they never went through the thing of like getting the anniversary tour or whatever. But I'm, it's interesting to see that that's now becoming a thing, and that other bands of that time frame are, are reuniting for that to play. And I don't know how big that venue is, so I don't even know if it's really, like, worth it. What venue? Um, Where are they was. doing it? I, I know, know that there was. was one at the Roxy. There was yeah. one at the Roxy, and I thought there was one oh. over in San Diego? Yeah, there's one is, in San Diego. I don't... Is... Where did first... From first to last do theirs? I thought that was... A, was that that at the Roxy? I don't know. I feel like it was. I, I want to know why he's doing that because obviously it's not for money. <laughs> maybe, that, maybe that's the thing is he has so much money he can go back and do that and just be like, nah, fuck it, I'm going to go play in front of an arena maybe hitting a fucking like, keyboard. Yeah. Maybe he's just like, I want to sing. Yeah, I mean, then that's noble, whatever, but that's kind of the part of what I was talking about, but the whole nostalgia thing. It's just kind of, so if, weird. if not even for money, like it's, it's, a, it's a quote unquote cash in on the nostalgia factor. It's just like, you know that people are going to show up not even for money, like you're not even doing it for money, just so people will show up and you can get that. Those YouTube you know, hits, man. You can monetize yeah, those. You... <laughs> exactly. So, I don't know. Yeah, um, kind of moving on, not on a nostalgic trip. Private Lives. Ah. Getting Yay. pretty excited. <laughs> Looks like you guys are making a lot of headway on, on this new record. Yeah, we're pretty much done with it. We just need to, um, it's got to get mixed and mastered and we're, very close any day now going to gonna get it out there for pre-order some plans yeah we got some plans cooking up for and the you next. two speaking you two are working together again on this project from what i understand mm -hmm. ivy more so behind the scenes yeah <laughs> i'm just so much to do she, i'm just kidding she, she just uh yeah we, me and kenny are too lazy and <clears throat> computer stupid well we know how to use computers but we don't like we're not very social media 
happy. I took that you from your like last uh, podcast. You like to focus, like to focus on the music a little more. That's that's Can't a you? that's a weird concept to focus yeah. on the music. How weird! How weird! <laughs> so, Ivy's helping us out with social media stuff, and she pushes us to be like, "You guys need some content. Well, <laughs> need some stuff out there." Kenny's very open to me helping, which yeah, that's a not first. to knock you know the Finch guys or whatever, but they no. were kind of. It's a boys' club. Yeah, it is, and you know that's fine. Like that, they had very strong ideas about what they wanted to do, and they wanted to do what they wanted to do, and especially I think at that age too, you know, you're just like, I want to do what I want to do, and if I'm gonna listen to anybody, it's gonna be a professional or a manager or a or a man or a man. (laughs) 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 But um. Kenny was just a. I don't even know how how that all happened. Where I was just like, I'm I gonna help you out. I wanna I do he, this side of he it. He asked or me. He was like, "Is so does Ivy want to run our social media?" And I was like, uh, "Yeah, she probably." Because <laughs> I have no life. <laughs> <laughs> so I told her, "You can run the social media," and she went, "Wee!" Shut up. So now she's, <laughs> she's all about it. It's fun though. To, no, yeah, it's cool. It's very cool. Because I don't. I don't, I, it's like the little teeny bit of my life where I get to like kind of be creative with something, you know? So, I'd and, imagine, you know, I would imagine husband. though with, with any of the success that comes out of this, it's going to feel doubly good because like you both are working on this project together as a team, but then also working on it, like you can enjoy it as, as a couple who have been together and know the hardships and adversities you guys have gone through to get to this level with this, this new project. So I yeah, feel like I that's, feel like yeah. we're a team. Totally. I actually feel like the three of us, uh, yeah. me, Penny, and Ivy, are all kind of, we've all kind of been working together since the beginning to, like, make this thing go, you know? Like, me and Kenny obviously do the music and all that stuff, but, like, the social media is very, very important this day and age, unfortunately, but it's a great tool, and <laughs> we're, I'm just too lazy, and I don't, I hate Facebook, so... I, so I didn't want to do it. I'll occasionally throw some things up on, um, you know, the Instagram or whatever. But, you know, she's like I said, she always pushes us to be like, you guys need content. It's going stale, you know, like it's getting cold. You don't get forgotten. And we forget that kind of stuff, you know, because we're just doing our thing. So but it, good. It, social media has taken over so much of yeah. the music industry to, of anything, really. Yeah. So it's like. You know, you you really do have to be out there and pushing it, you know, because people build their whole careers on social media. I mean, some people, you know, and um, unfortunately, it's yeah. like, well, you know, just use it to your advantage then. Like if it's going to be there, then like we need to use it to our advantage, especially because a lot of band, you know, it's record labels aren't like they used to be, which is part of the reason I think that like what it or back to oblivion the reception was the way it was and it just kind of went where it went because you don't have a record label pushing you and and supporting you anymore you kind of have to do it on your own and i mean you have to prove that you're worthy of a big record label picking you up and i but i think that people can still get themselves out there by themselves because of the way social media is or the internet is now like 
you can become a big thing on YouTube if you just work at it, you know, and you try or Instagram or what. I mean, like, in, it's like free makeup mar- it's artists free marketing and, all and that marketing stuff. is it's, everything. It's crazy. It's free marketing. It is. I mean, and you don't you don't really need to have that big record label support anymore. So, I mean, if you have this thing that you can use, you know, why not use it? Because it's there. It's free. Yeah. I am interested to see, because like on uh, Hands of Time, speaking to the point earlier about how when you did something outside of Finch, people were expecting it to be Finch. I was interested to see with it kind of leaning more heavy in the like electronic kind of vibe to see yeah. what you did with it vocally. Uh, and a song like Hands of Time, I feel like to me, it has a very sting police vibe to it vocally. Like sort of the the cadence to the vocals that were in in the song, and I don't feel like you would have been able to do that on a Finch record. So I'm interested to see some of your other influences come out in this different that, medium. That verse was actually me just doing my best Peter Gabriel impression, is what it is. <laughs> so not entirely I, off, but yeah, I I love Peter Gabriel. So I mean, I think you're right. I think there wasn't many opportunities for me to do different um, vocal stuff like that in Finch. I mean, Sunshine is all over the gamut, but, um, you know, Finch was just heavy driving. You know, it was just me being aggressive and singing when I could and trying to sound pretty when I could and stuff <laughs> like that. But this was more designed around the, the idea that um, I didn't want to scream and I wanted to smooth things out a bit and take my time with melodies and um, get a little bit more pop with the mel- with the with the vocals, you know. So you said you wanted it to be your version of pop music. Yeah, it's it's kind of me and Kenny's version of pop music is what we're trying to do, I guess, electronic pop or whatever you want to call it. But I think that was from day one. We were just like, look, this is what. It needs to be. We need to start in the pop realm, and then we can expand outside of that bubble as it happens. And every song has been kind of different in that way. So, yeah, I'm interested, just like I said, to see where this goes, and interested to see what kind of different genres you dip into, because uh, I feel like this is a vehicle to really do a lot of different kind of stuff. Whether it be, like you said, a, a very more pop leaning or even more into the i mean i'm gonna say industrial but like more just heavy electronic music uh and mm-hmm. so forth i mean even to the point of like you're you did a teaser video and, I, and i'm kind of blanking on what song it said it was for but the video kind of really gave me a lost highway vibe was it a <clears throat> electric sheep maybe yeah i think that was it yeah, yeah I, I kind of filmed myself driving home at night and I don't know, I just, when I listened to that song, it gave me that kind of vibe of just driving at night, so I filmed myself driving home at night, I put it in the teaser, and I was like, yeah, it it did feel very Lost Highway, and I think the title that I wanted to put on the video was like, Yellow, <laughs> Lost Highway, and I was like, wait a minute, this is too, too much. It's, it's one of those where I, I feel like this is going to be a record for for people our age now who want that nostalgia but in a completely different sense like i'm saying like that teaser reminded me of lost highway 
Lost Highway, while it had a great soundtrack, I, I don't really have any attachments to it, but it reminds me of a time that was a lot more free. Mm-hmm. Like, totally. Yeah, and it's like, between and then stuff like that, it's like the Sting Police vibe, it's like, okay, that fits more of my adult sensibilities now of like i like melody i like a good song it doesn't have to be aggressive it doesn't have to be like 120 bpm at all times like (laughs) sometimes like what's not being played or what's not being sung is heavier than any breakdown that ever could go over that space yeah and i think that that just comes with getting to this age and, and kind of realizing like not everything needs to be a million miles an hour and to just kind of reflect so I'm I'm yeah. looking forward to this record to see if it helps fit that vibe and that like that kind of music that I'm getting into more now. Granted, I still love really aggressive music, but yeah, uh... <laughs> so she. <laughs> Funny you say that Lost Highway that you that you compare it to that because, um, you know Trent Reznor did that soundtrack and um, they're the first half of what they've put out like on on Bandcamp mm-hmm. is a very different vibe to the last half of the last couple songs they put out and then what they have now that the things that they haven't put out. I've constantly saying this totally reminds me of Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. And um so yeah, it's it's funny that you made that comparison because I really get that vibe. It's a little not happier, just a little lighter maybe. Because mm-hmm. he gets real dark sometimes. Although his later stuff was kind of poppy, so you know. Are you talking about Trent? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Actually, I feel like Trent stuff got a lot more. Well, no, there got was a like, lot more you know, with more bites in it. Had some fancy beats and yeah, but um, yeah, it totally reminds me of kind of a Nine Inch Nails-y. Yeah, I think that's kind of what we're aiming for. Is exactly what you're talking about is something to cling on to. Whether it be, you know, my voice or the way I'm singing for Finch fans to kind of cling on to it, but to take them in another direction from there with um, a more, I don't know, mature approach to listening to me singing. You know what I mean? So it's not just me screaming over stuff and yelling about this and that over aggressive music. It's, it's my voice that people know but over something that's maybe they're not familiar with, but is still familiar in a it's pretty. a new way. That doesn't make any sense. I, I don't know what I'm talking I'm about. I'm not but making any sense. That's hard. <laughs> no, let's, yeah. um, um, anyway, I, I don't even know where I was going with that. <laughs> well, no, it's the connection you, of... You've matured, just like... Yeah, I know, just, I feel like... Your taste has matured. I, yeah, I just feel like... Me and Kenny are really, uh, we work very strangely together. We <laughs> we kind of let the song present itself to us. We start with a lot of noises. Like, the noise has to be correct. The sound has to be correct. And sometimes we can pick just a sound and put it over a beat, and we're like, this is the heaviest thing we've ever heard. You know what I mean? <laughs> if the sound is correct, if you're using the right sound, it can be heavier than any guitar you can put on it so it's like we're very specific about the sounds and then once we start building stuff on top of other things the song presents itself to us and then we kind of just follow that down a path so in that sense it's just kind of the two of us talking to each other through music 
and it all just kind of comes out. I don't know. Pretty organic. <laughs> it's very organic. It's out, of, organic. out of curiosity, is Imogene Heap something that you are you are you familiar with her work at all? No, I don't think so. You really should get into that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right, like a side side tangent, but it, it totally correlates to what you were just saying uh, with about how you and Kenny work together. So Imogene Heap did a record, uh, most she's most famous for a record she did with the uh, the dude who did the music for uh, Eurythmics. Um, they did a record together after she had already had a solo career called uh, Frau Frau, and this album was called Details, and the song Let Go was the like lead off single from the Garden State soundtrack. Like it was okay. like the big song off of that that kind of relaunched because at that point they did a one-off record, it was done, and then that soundtrack kind of re-brought them to the forefront of a lot of mainstream fans. Uh, it's a very electronic-based uh, album and was kind of my introduction into Imogene Heap, and then from there I went and found her solo stuff. She creates, and there's a DVD that I'm thinking of specifically, uh, it's the, the making of her record Ellipsis. And there's like a scene in the DVD, and I'm sure it's on YouTube, uh, of her running up and down her stairs with a stick and just like running it in between the, the lattice work of the, the stairs. And she's recording that and recording like, you know, pots and pans falling and a bunch of other random noises and then throws it into her like garage band or whatever the fuck and then loops it backwards, chops it into four pieces, mixes it in completely different ways, throws it into this song, and you're just like, holy shit, that's what that fucking was? Like, I had no clue. And it's some of the most beautiful, as you were saying, organic music I've ever heard. But to see her process of creating these noises for something that she's going to use in a song is just completely awe-inspiring. As someone who likes music and, and stuff like that, so to me, when you were talking about how like making a rant, starting with a noise or whatever, I almost figured for sure you were going to be like, oh yeah, Imogene Heap like is someone that we're really big on, uh, since that's how she makes a lot of lot of her music. So if there's no mm. takeaway on my end other than that, check out Imogene Heap. I definitely will. That sounds awesome. I'm checking uh, that out. So when can we expect? Uh, I know you kind of just said that soon it's kind of being mix mastered and finishing up. When can we maybe get a tentative release for this stuff? Ooh, um, and will it be hmm. available on vinyl? Yes, it will actually. That's that's our goal. Yes. I don't know. Yeah. If, we're probably not going to do um, CDs. We're going to do digital download and vinyl, and then have some other merch as well for sale. Um, and that that's all going to be able to. You're going to be able to order that like really soon, like within this week, hopefully. Um, but an actual release date of like when it will all be physically in your hands, not sure. Uh-huh. Maybe, I mean, tentatively might be a little far, but July, I would say. Okay. I mean, just so we, uh, you know, give ourselves time to press everything and get uh, it out there. Yeah, everyone's vinyl is backed yeah. up right now. Yeah, totally. And then, is this going to be a project that starts touring or what does this project look like as far as a live show yeah that's the next step we actually have one show booked already in august which is going to be in san diego Uh, good job manager yes it's in san diego birdie whispering in my ear san diego stupid (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so 
we gotta that's the next step is gearing up for that and uh hopefully that will lead to other shows and possibly a tour and start going from there once the album's out there for people to listen to yeah uh, and we have a video dropping also Ooh, when's that dropping um again probably this <laughs> week <laughs> awesome <laughs> i gotta get with kenny he's busy this weekend but um, we're figuring it out well i think that's uh, pretty much everything i wanted to ask you too uh this is usually where i ask uh the other person if there's socials they want to plug socials uh was it private lives band at facebook i think so and then uh, <laughs> what's the twitter our private lives the twitter is at okay. our private lives i facebook is private lives band and, and then instagram is private lives band as well. I changed it. Is. It is. It's private life span. <laughs> Let me see. See, this is, we why, are so, this is why I need her. So am- this is why yeah, I need her. Yeah, but I need somebody to tell here, me what it is. If you weren't here and somebody asked me that, it'd be all duh. Just okay, Google us. Be, yeah, just be like, just forget it. Just type in private lives. Private lives band in your computer. is Instagram. Well, no, okay. don't Google it because there's like another. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Google it. Well, there's one. Might be one from the 80s or something. I'll be yeah. uh I'll be sure to throw this all of those in the show notes and to add it in the intro and or the outro or whatever this episode. Um, I always like to add a song at the very end, so I'd like to play unless you want it to be a Finch song, I'd like to play a, a private lives thing. Uh, oh, yeah. What would what's a song you would like me to play and maybe give a little backstory on it if you could. Yeah, I think you should probably play Man of Faith. Because that's um, we're gonna drop that video real soon. We just made a video for that song, so I guess technically that's our first single, okay. if you call it that. Yeah. So your promotional single, as it were, before the lead yeah, single. Yeah, exactly. Our social media single. And Dylan um, Bell. Dylan Marco it. Bell directed it. He's the director. He did um, of the video. What's up? He did Finch a, a Finch video <laughs> called Anywhere But Here. It, yeah. Uh, so we'd I'd worked with him before and I I hit him up and he's he, awesome. He was happy to do the video and he was awesome to work with again. Great dude. So keep an eye out for the video and yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. So that was my chat with Nate and Ivy Barklow. Learned how to say it this time. <laughs> A lot of really cool stories uh, from Nate and Ivy about. How they met and the pre-Finch days and then obviously the the stuff leading up to when Finch was heavily hitting the road and lots of cool stories about how Ivy actually was kind of their merch girl for a while and don't know if any of you ever saw them when she was the merch girl for them but it was really cool to hear how these these two have stayed together over the years and tried to figure out ways to make it work. Uh, As I said in the intro and kind of hit on throughout this episode, a lot of relationships uh, don't make it very long because anytime there's a, a hint of adversity that people have to go through, uh, a lot of people are quick to throw in the towel. And I mean, we've kind of seen that with the rising divorce rates. And you know, I mean, I would even say to a degree, you see it just in like relationships as a whole. It's like, you know, any relationship that's worth having is, you know, it's going to have its hardships. And I think it's, it's in spite of those things that being able to work your way through them uh, it's how you're able to strengthen the relationship and make it grow into something more. And I definitely think, uh, in spite of everything that Nate and Ivy have been through and a lot of the ups and downs of, you know, having someone 
that you're married to in the music industry and how fickle this nature of the business can be, I think they've, you know, done a lot of really great things to stay stay with each other. And I think uh, it was something that I wanted to talk to them about. It's also why I talked to like Sean and Veronica Knight a long time ago in this podcast. I just, I think anyone who's been together for a certain amount of time, especially being married for a certain amount of time and has put in the time, I think there's something there that anybody can learn from. So I really want to thank Nate and Ivy for being so open and honest uh, with answering a lot of my questions. Especially Nate, because I know this was kind of sprang on him last minute, when I was really hesitant to geek out on my Say Hello to Sunshine stuff, but uh, as I said, it is one of my favorite records of that band's. I still listen to it quite often, and I've always had some questions about that record, and it was really nice to be able to get some closure on that for me, just because when a band break up, breaks up so suddenly like that, and especially in such a way that like I saw it, like where literally four days later after a terrible, terrible performance, like the band's done and it's like it's kind of a weird feeling to to know that like your favorite band at the peak of their their height of popularity or whatever they end up breaking up and it's a lot of questions surrounding it that i've never gotten to have answered because the band wasn't around to to do q a's or any of that kind of shit like some of these other people get to do so yeah that was that was that chat we are going to end this episode with a private lives track as you heard the song is called a uh, man of faith so if you want to head over to privatelives1.bandcamp.com you can find this song over there for a dollar they got about five or six songs over there right now if you'd like to keep up with this band you can follow them across their socials over at instagram and instagram and facebook over at private lives band you can tweet them at our private lives Uh, And if you want to follow Nate and Ivy on their socials, you can follow them both on Instagram. Nate is at Organs in Orbit. That's O-R-G-A-N-S-I-N-O-R-B-I-T. And Ivy is over at The underscore Black Lodge. Uh, If you want to follow me on any of my socials, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at John's Untitled Podcast. You can tweet at me at John's Untitled Pod. Or you can email me at John's Untitled Pod at gmail.com i also have set up a youtube account uh, in the last week or so and i'm slowly getting all my episodes up the skylar episode the actual video portion of the skylar episode is up over there right now and is doing phenomenally well and getting a tremendous amount of positive feedback on that like with comments and stuff like that and like i said getting the old episodes up and with this new software to record episodes and stuff like that it also records the video so every chance every chance i can get to get the video posted i will post the video as well if you're listening to this as a podcast on soundcloud stitcher itunes google play wherever uh, don't forget to rate review and subscribe Uh, also really helps me getting new guests and stuff like that so it's always greatly appreciated to see some feedback from you guys and make sure that i'm not being a complete piece of shit with all of this and that you actually enjoy what i'm doing so rate review subscribe and without further ado here is man of faith by private lives
Tell me what you want